Hello there, listeners. It is time once again to join us, Jeff and John, for Movie Mastery. It's the podcast where we watch the movies you recommend and... Oh, good Lord. Okay. Hey, I'm John. Hey oh, there. I'm Jeff. I'm amazed, by the way, that when you introduce your show, you still put my name first. That's uh, that's dedicated. That's uh, It's alphabetical. Yeah. <laughs> that's agape. That's a special kind of love. <laughs> that's Eros. Oh, is it Eros? Okay. I didn't know if it was Storga or whatever. Was that whatever, Striga? Whatever that, that Super Bowl commercial has now infected everyone's brains with. <laughs> I mean... It's true. Those are different words for different no, types no, of love. No, I know. Love. They're all different kinds of love. It's absolutely true. But up until that day, no one was running around saying it. And, and since then, I've seen tweets about it like three times. Aw. People are way into it now. That's great. It's entered everyone's I agape lesson. that. How come, how come people... <laughs> I'm more of a Storga man. Uh, but I'm kind of sad that that's the thing that's made its way into vernacular, not the usage of muss. <laughs> Who wants muss? Oh, dude, we got to loosen up this hole. Get me my hole loosening muss. The fact that that commercial was not for mustard is incredible. <laughs> that they would think, you know what hummus needs? A cool nickname. Hummus takes far too long to say. Our, all of our our, our uh, survey data has pointed to the same fact that, that people would buy more hummus if it was a one-syllable word. And instead of hums, we're going with muss. <laughs> We did have people in the back supporting hummus, which was going to take the middle out. We're going to call it. We're going to call it umu. <laughs> umu, what's this? <laughs> oh, dude, umu might actually do better than mus. <laughs> it doesn't shorten the word at all, but it's ten times cooler. Oh, come on in here, guys. I've got some roasted red pepper umu. <laughs> Who wants to take a dip in the umu? <laughs> So we watched a movie, and that movie was Repo, the genetic opera. Yeah, we didn't watch a movie. We watched an opera film. (sighs) Not really. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, there's a Sarah Brightman song in it, so it's... Yeah, God knows there was at least one moment where someone was like, all right, fine, we'll let you do something. Uh Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, so I had seen this movie several years ago Mm -hmm. when someone who really likes it was like, I want you to watch this, and... That was sad for me because mm-hmm. I had to sit there and watch it with someone who loves the movie and go, this thing you like is trash and is terrible and should yeah, never I'm, be I'm watched. Sure. Yeah, that's usually why I drag my feet when people try to get me to watch the cult classic stuff. Uh-huh. Like, you know, cause I, I don't want to be, because I'm usually a mean dick about everything <laughs> me- meaty anyway. I don't want to do it to someone who's like intentionally trying to bring me in on something they love. Like, like, hey, come play a part of my life by enjoying this. And I'm going to be like, oh, man, I'm going to shit all over it. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm feeling <laughs> real incontinent about this right now. Like the only way people dragged me at like 19 or so to Rocky Horror was sometimes there's tits and dicks. <laughs> yeah, and it'd be like sometimes people in the audience have their tits or dicks out. <laughs> they like, have them. And, uh, and I was like, OK, well, well, well you got you, me. You sold me on this one on tits and dicks. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you had never seen this. So that absolutely was absolutely uh, not. That was a joy for me to get to watch you watch this. Yeah, because I've gotten old enough at this point where I can say no to things like this or what's that? The the, the one where uh, the Dr. Evil sing along, whatever. Blog, yeah. Yeah, I've not seen that either because I'm like, it's too cult classic-y. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, god damn. I mean, we're going to get into the full spoiler review of this, mm-hmm. but Jesus Christ, this. It's fucking garbage. It is so bad. The. <sighs> The music in this, oh, dude, yeah, is just 
like I want to say amateurish is mm-hmm. the entirety of what I would call that, as well as the acting in this is about the same level. You have a couple people that you're like, oh, Anthony Stewart Head, good job. You're you're putting in some effort, I guess. <laughs> I mean, ultimately not. I, I'd say the one person who had any nuance to their performance at all in the film ever was Paul Sorvino, <laughs> who I kind of enjoyed watching, but... But uh, Anthony Stewart Head basically just does, I have two modes for for this movie. Oh, yeah. He's doing a Jekyll and Hyde thing. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, yeah, the music is atrocious. The thing the thing that makes this an opera, I think, is that uh, people talk, sing their lines, but they don't bother checking to see if they match any kind of meter or rhyme structure or anything. No, nothing fits a song and nothing <sighs> sounds melodic. You're just kind of like, oh, you just decided to, like do sing-songy talking and yeah thought that would work and you can kind of tell they never once heard the beat that was going to be played in the background during the scenes they just be like all right Stuart head your job is to walk down this hallway and say things like but my daughter is mine she's mine i tell you mine and and then later you know in post we're going to go in behind you and add a uh, one guitar going kajugga 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 <laughs> and and don't worry it'll, it'll sound fucking awful don't worry just don't let me worry tell you this now. is gonna be terrible yeah, don't, there's no accidental chance that this will sound okay yeah i want to say my no spoiler review for this is the people involved in this have the talentless amateurish glee that you would expect from an elementary school production of a play <laughs> I was never in an elementary school play, but I believe I, I believe you entirely. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a Christmas pageant. Yeah, like it's, if, if it is a- very much like a high school talent show mm-hmm. where someone's like, "This is my band." Well, like because I, I was in a play in high school. I was in some horrible play for children called Stephanie Hero, um, and my role was the was hero. Though, well, actually, I think Arnon, my friend Arnon, played the hero. Uh, I played a evil, a semi-evil French king from a neighboring country. Yeah. And all of my role was that I was supposed to be comically fat and uh, always t- talking with an ag- absurd French accent. Uh-huh. And since I only had the two characteristics, I leaned into them as hard as I could, and it was the only thing I would ever say. They'd be like, oh, French king, what's up with you? I am eating camel fart soup and getting even fatter and it'd be like okay great well what's your opinion on the the plot i have no opinion please hand me another handful of fat (laughs) yeah and that is that's pretty much this movie Mm -hmm. like everyone was given one trait and they're like well i guess that's all i've got this is how i pictured larps before i went to one that that (laughs) that everyone would be like like, uh, oh, my character does this and this, and they refuse to... It's kind of like when you go into uh, the chat rooms in MMOs, where, like, it's the City of Heroes Pocket D chat room, yeah. where everyone's just standing around being like, my tragic backstory is that I'm an evil angel anime from a secret planet of super dark ninjas. And then next to them, there's, like, three other people, but they're not engaging. They're just like, ah, oh, well, mine is that I was born of the heart of volcanoes. And at no point do they ever talk to each other. No, no one's ever, like... Oh, that's a neat story. Let me ask you questions Let's about get- it. Everyone is just sitting there expounding upon <laughs> their dumb nonsense. <laughs> that's uh, that's this movie. Well, we're going to have a little bit of music here, and I promise not from this, because <laughs> I'd rather have good music. And then we will get back with an actual review of the plot of Repo, the genetic opera. Showed him to the door. Oh, no. And I told him to get lost, cause I've been there once before. Don't wanna be re, 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 repossessed. 
And we're back. It's time to dive in to Repo, the genetic opera, and mm-hmm. really, really get our hands into the guts of this film. Oh, well, we got to start with the seven or eight minutes of cartoon that are the beginning of this movie. Uh, anytime this movie cannot possibly hold anymore when the center starts to come on uh, undone uh they're like oh we can't just have someone like look into the camera and sing exposition anymore anytime that they just cannot possibly put any more exposition to music they will dump to comic book style art and and uh, a narrator talking about what's happening i mean even then it's basically just it's still talk singing like it's not even talk singing it's just here's the like comic book lettering Mm -hmm. read what's going on yeah yeah, uh, so we start with a bunch of that to kind of basically explain what the world of Repo the Genetic Opera is. And it it's a world that, you know, it makes a kind of satirical sense, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it takes place in the not-too-distant future. Mm-hmm. Next Sunday, A.D. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the entire back premise is that at some point, people started having like an epidemic of organ failure yeah yeah well it started it as a designer thing i think it was no that was it was the organ organ failures first okay so there was an epidemic that caused a bunch of organ failure and one company rose above the rest and they're like hey we got organs that we can sell people because we're growing organs and we're the only ones doing it there was a guy named roddy largo and roddy not too different from you or me (laughs) yeah he worked at genomics (laughs) institute (laughs) I'm sorry, it's actually called Genico or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think it Genico or Geneco or something like that. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, he starts going like, okay, I'm one of the few people that can save f- folks from their dying weird organ nonsense. Mm-hmm. But because it's so expensive, he's like, oh, I've got a price plan. And so he just starts gouging people mm-hmm. for their money based on getting organs. Yes, and eventually it becomes a whole so- a society dedicated to like uh, cosmetic surgery, transhumanism, uh, that kind of thing. But th- that's not really what the movie's about. What the movie's about is that when people cannot pay their debts, when they default on their loans for their their uh, organs and their cures and so on, yeah, uh, they their organs are are brought back to the company via the work of what are called the repo men which are basically just medical kill murderers yeah they go and the weird thing to me is they're like oh we're gonna go take our organs back from you so you'll die you'll die Blah. except it doesn't make you any money that's that's an odd choice to have yeah they're like yeah now it's time to get rid of any customers we might have mm-hmm. well i guess a lot of people still turn to them because they do a good job of hiding the fact that the prices are you know, we're going to fucking kill you. Uh, so there's a lot of people like, oh, it's fine. It's just credit card. I can do this. That's no big deal. I'll pay it off later. But I mean, ultimately, their whole thing is like, this guy's defaulted on a payment for his uh, for his liver. Take it. And you're like, but, you know, in the future, he could pay you. You could just jack up the interest rates on him if you wanted or, or put him in a debtor's prison or something like that. But murdering him is just like, now you've got a useless liver because it was keyed to him. Uh, well, I mean, I think the whole point of it is their organs they can just put into whatever i guess it seems like if you're like hey man 
I'm gonna put these fresh new this fresh new liver in you, and you'd be like, sweet, I'm gonna drink it to fucking cheese. Here I go. And then they're like, well, we're taking it back. And it's like, fine, take it. It's gross now. I did shit with that liver. <laughs> oh, I've been places with that liver. That liver's got mileage. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, it, it doesn't, I mean, logistically, it doesn't make any sense. But whatever, that's because it's a, you know, a satirical rock opera about organ harvesting. Yeah. The other thing is, if you're going to kill a guy anyway... Just take all of his organs. <laughs> and then there's a subplot run- that's also a surgical thing that's running through the film, which is that they, the company also invented the world's greatest painkiller. Yes, because uh, surgery became such a like wanted, desired thing. In addition to life-saving, people were just like, oh, I just want to get a new you know, pancreas because that's neat. Yeah. And so they created a painkiller that's just like, oh, we can stab you with this and then you're good to go for surgery immediately it's super effective and uh we don't need to worry about like oh is this going to be the right dosage for someone it's just like there you go and it's super addictive yeah it's very addictive and it glows blue and it's called zydrate and it comes in a little glass vial and here's the thing that oh god yeah the song here's the thing you really need to know about zydrate there is a whole subclass of people that have developed in response to the zydrate addiction who will harvest leftover zydrate from corpses by jamming syringes up their nose to suck the zydrate out now this is the biggest waste of the repo man if you ask me if there's a sub market on this stupid black market uh or, or fair uh painkiller why aren't the repo men getting it when they stop through to get spines or whatever it's like you're leaving money on the table oh yeah i mean especially when it's you look at it and you go like okay when the first time because sort of at the very beginning of this we start in a graveyard Mm -hmm. and there's a grave digger that we are going to have as our basically narrator. Oh yeah, for he's this. The, he's uh, to 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 borrow from Beauty and the Beast. He's the Clopin. The Clopin. I'm sorry, uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. He is the Clopin of this movie. He's only vaguely connected to what's going on, and he pops up all the time to sing songs that are some like he's just reading the newspaper about the main character. He's like, ah, yes, let's look at what they're doing. Ah, I see here they're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so he like <clears throat> digs up a grave in the graveyard and, uh, jams his syringe up someone's nose, gets Zydrate out. Now this is a corpse that has decomposed mm-hmm. like a good amount, which means that the Zydrate is just chilling in there for a while. Yeah. And you'd think e- anytime anyone dies, getting that Zydrate out of them should be the first thing anyone does. Oh yeah. Like... In this scene, they're running away from, like, the, I guess, Geneco cops who they now have a thing where, like, oh, grave robbing, you'll be shot on sight. I guess because Zydrate is expensive but or But they're wanted. just leaving it there. Oh, yeah. So they, like, run into a mass grave. Mm-hmm. He picks one at random and jams his syringe in there and gets some more Zydrate, which at that point I was like, all right, because I could see if it was an actual buried person mm-hmm. that they were like, oh, I they have a coffin and a gravestone and whatever. They're rich enough that it wasn't like, oh, they died from getting repoed or whatever. Right. And so no one was there to harvest it, and I get that. But when you have a mass grave that's almost assuredly just people who have been repoed, you'd think that they would get that Zydrate. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, especially because there's we see a repo man in the film. Obviously, the main character, one of the main characters of the film, is a repo man. Yeah, and we see him killing people to get their organs back, and he is just unnecessarily torturous and vindictive about it. I guess because that's probably the point of the repo men is they're not supposed to do that many repos. They're really just supposed to do a couple of them and then scare everybody into paying. Yeah, I think. <sighs> but he is just messy he's he's just a gross murderer thing is we only ever see the one like they talk about there are repo men but we only see the one yeah so we don't really know if like this is just that character is a sadist when he goes to get his collections Mm -hmm. or if that's like a prerequisite for being a repo man the other problem is that they keep setting him up as some sort of dark supervillain hero kind of thing because he's like oh he's a wizard with a scalpel but then his murders all take place by him just kind of walking over to people and stabbing them. And it's like, yeah, that's not that. I mean, any, that, that doesn't require particularly effective scalpel control. You just put it in the person. <laughs> yeah, he sure is a horrible murderer. He's got knife technology. <laughs> oh, he's got great knife technology. He has a scalpel on the end of a stick. <laughs> he's invented the spear. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so... So, yeah, uh, the girl that we find in the graveyard for this scene, by the way, is going to be one of the main characters. She is the daughter of Anthony Stewart Head's character, who is also a repo man. Yeah. And she is Shiloh. Shiloh's got blood problems. So Shiloh has a blood disease. It's an unspecified blood disease, but apparently it makes it so she can't go outside. Yeah, she Uh, has weird blood pressure problems. Yeah, and if she doesn't take her pills soon enough, in disembodied voice that I'm not sure where from suddenly goes, blood pressure alert. Yeah, she has... Is it like a watch, maybe? She has a a wrist thing Mm -hmm. that is also a communicator where, like, someone's holographic head will spin around like a animated gif on a 90s website yeah this is one of those futures where all the art and and, uh, photographs have gotten worse because they moved to ray trace holograms (laughs) so everyone looks like weird line light art ghosts in the pictures and so on but yeah she's got like a hollow communicator that is also i guess a bio comp thing where they're like oh yeah i'm i'm checking all your vitals all the time and i'll tell you all your stuff Yep, so so it go, it's like blood pressure alert. You're about to die from blood pressure. Now, as a person who has almost died from blood pressure, I, I can... I this can, was a terrifying scene for you. Yo, I can get behind it. Well, it's constant. Blood pressure alert. I'm like, really? I thought I had it under control now. Um, <laughs> take these pills or you'll instantly die. No, that part checks out. That's oh, yeah, a, no, that, that's, 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 that's right. That's, up to, that's why I can never not have insurance again. <laughs> um, it's not the fact that the pills get expensive. It's that no one will prescribe them for you if you don't have insurance. Well, there you go. So anyway, scary thought. So, uh, so yeah, she's wandering this graveyard because the disease precludes her from going outside, but not really. She doesn't get worse if she goes outside or anything. She's just separated from her pills, and her dad is highly overprotective. Yeah. And, uh, and he should be, because they live in an evil circus. Oh, yeah. It's like, they show the dad as being super overprotective and like, oh, you can't go outside. And they make it seem like... Because the outside has germs and mm-hmm. you are weak of constitution and will die. But honestly, it's you live in a nightmare town where everyone is stabbing everyone or doing drugs or both at the same time. Yeah, it's basically the, the world they live in is like if you took the city from The Crow and the city from a Joel Schumacher Batman movie, put them in a sieve and shook out all the normal stuff. <laughs> and then he just took what was left and was like, you live here. 
Yeah. It looks like one of Tim Burton's uh, wet dreams. It's all gross and terrible. Yeah, here we go. Your house is immediately next to a whorehouse because there's no space in this world. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like a movie or, or a, a play set, basically. So, but of course she's 17, so she's a rebellious teenager who's trying to discover secrets. Yeah, secrets. And she meets, I don't even know if we got this gravedigger nope, guy's name. No, just gravedigger. He's just gravedigger, but he has a pale crow face kind of thing going. And He's and- got like some, some good old fashioned gothy white caked on makeup and yeah. like blue hair. Blue, and yeah, he's but like, the Zydrate dealer. Yeah, he's got Nathan Explosion hair and he basically just kind of... Because the the beginning of the movie is like all him, I got sick of him exceedingly fast. Because he is, he's also the worst one of the people who routinely have to talk sing in the film. He doesn't seem to have understood the basic premise of it, and he's horrible. And you know what's amazing about that is he's one of the people who made this. I'm sure. I'm sure yeah, and that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, he was like, oh, what's this? Uh, I wrote this, so I guess I'm the main narrator now. Mm-hmm. And uh, there you go. That's uh, that's why he might seem not as good as some of the other people <laughs> when they got, like, actual professionals for things. Oh, a couple. They got actual professionals for a few things. Paris Hilton, for one thing. I mean, at least... <laughs> at least they knew what to do with her. 90% of Paris Hilton's scenes in this movie are of her walking off screen as soon as the camera hits her, like she's afraid of it. Yeah. They're like, oh, no. Paris Hilton shows up. We'll have like one toxing line and then walks away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, our tests indicate that if you stay in the same room longer, people get unnerved. <laughs> this is a movie about being unnerved. There's faces falling off. Mm. Yeah, there's limits. <laughs> we still need to sell this, though. <laughs> uh, so, yes, Shiloh is one of our main characters. Her dad is one of the other ones. Nathan is a super doctor and also a repo man Mm -hmm. so that's sort of his jekyll and hyde thing is when he's nice he's the doctor Mm -hmm. and when he's evil he's the repo man yeah and he he does this via acting by baring his teeth when he's the repo man oh yeah he just sort of goes yeah uh which worked the first time but not the next 15 Because they'll do it every time he's the Repo Man. He's not just the Repo Man at the start of the scene. It has to be Anthony Stewart Head for a couple seconds. And he's like, oh, wait, I forgot. I'm mad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other, I guess, main character is Rotti Largo, Paul Sorvino himself, mm-hmm. the president of Geneco who has three awful <laughs> uh, children. The kids are what I was thinking of when I was talking about being a French guy in a play in high school. Because yeah. all three of the kids are just like, what's your thing? I stab people and I mean. Yeah, there's just one of his kids, Luigi, is his whole thing is he's like, oh, I've got a horrible temper and I'll murder people. And literally all of his lines and everything he does is just like, I'll get you in the heart with a knife. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, great. Also, he clearly has had a number of surgeries himself and his stitching is big and obvious and Frankenstein-y. Yeah, he has a, a need to open up his button-down shirt to show you his uh, scars. This bothers me because he's like one of the richest people in the world and it's a world of highly uh, high-end elective super surgery. And yet he looks like he was stitched together like on a World War One battlefield by a blind person oh yeah and and i it's got to be a choice that's the thing it has to be, he had to be like fucking make me look like patchwork for or, or a jigsaw you know from punisher make me look like jigsaw hell yeah <laughs> oh yeah no for sure 
they're like, all right, and then we're just going to use this, like, super gel and you'll have no scars. And he's like, oh, fuck that. I, I'm sure they were like, we'll use the super gel and you'll have no scarring. And he was like, oh, hey, cool, come here. And they just murdered that guy. <laughs> and he's like, all right, who's next? Who right. wants to tell me what I'm going to have? Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll have quit. scars? All of us quit forever. Thank you. No one will do anything for you? Yeah, because this movie's got a real bad case of kill the messenger. Uh, like, the first thing that happens with Sorvino is he's sitting at a desk just looking like like a lump who needs to poop. And in comes a doctor. He's like, hey, I'm sorry. It's terminal. There's nothing we can do, even with all of our weird organ nonsense. Even with all your fancy medicine, you can't outrun death. Think about that. And then he's like, I don't want to, and shoots the doctor in the head. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, okay, so he's one of those. How do these people manage to stay in power and service industry if they murder everyone right away? <laughs> You'd think there would be any other competing company that would be like, we also offer, you know, uh, organs and nonsense, and we don't murder you. Yeah. And everyone would go, oh, them. I'm going to go to them. I mean, they're way more expensive, but I do like their not murdering me policy. <laughs> it's a good policy. <laughs> and he is flanked at all times by a pair of badass ladies with lots of rifles and pistols and stuff on them. Uh, none of the women in this movie, except for the main two, get to wear pants. Yeah. Pants are verboten. Ver yeah, they're out. Um, it's funny because it, this world seems to be one of those worlds where most people have had cosmetic surgery to make themselves look like goofy monsters. Huh. Uh, but all the women in the movie look like they're just part of Bud Light ads. <laughs> so uh, th that, that double standard seems to have stayed in high demand. Now, the other two children that he has uh, is Pavi, who is... Hey, remember when the Joker got weird in the mid-2000s and took his face off and stapled it back on? Yeah, yeah that's, he, that's he, him. That's him. That's the whole thing. Like, his whole thing is, oh, instead of getting, like, actual good surgery, I'll cut the face skin off of someone mm -hmm. and then just hook it onto my own face and that's it yeah and he does have no skin underneath there he's just it's just raw so he just yeah he just looks like that that brief period where they did something real dumb with the joker uh also for some reason among the members of his family he is the one who has a comically thick italian accent yeah he read the script and was like oh it's pavi and luigi and rati largo mm -hmm. oh we're all very italian everyone else showed up and were like I, I'm part of this family. And he went, oh, it's a me, a Bobby. <laughs> a boopity boppity. I like the surgery. Oh, <laughs> look at my face. Everybody, I love the Bobby, huh? Yeah. And at, at no point where they're like, wait, hold on. They have like four members in this family and one of them is Mario. We got we to fix this. <laughs> wait a minute. Hang on. Come, on. come over here for a second. Ogre. Because by the way, the name of the actor who plays Bobby is just Ogre. Yep. <laughs> and the last one is Amber Sweet. She changed her last name. Uh, she is addicted to surgery, which they keep selling as a bad thing, even though it's very clear that everyone else in her family is also addicted to surgery. Yeah, but they're like, oh, uh, I think Pavi is just the face thing, and we don't really know if I Luigi's... Luigi has battle scars from people who have tried to resist his murdering in the past. But Amber's like, no, I'll get random fucking surgeries for anything I don't care mm -hmm. all the time forever. And it's mostly just that she's actually addicted to Zydrate. Zydrate. Uh, and while you're down, you might as well get surgeries done. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she apparently is addicted to surgery, which doesn't make any sense in the, in the context of what she does throughout the course of the film. Well, her whole thing is she wants to be a performer. That's why she changed her last name, so she could have a stage name. Mm -hmm. Uh... Margo's a perfectly fine name for that. Yeah. It's kind of weird. But 
Amber, I guess there was already a famous Amber Largo. That's maybe. what that's got to be. Yeah, they were like, yeah, yeah no, you can't. <laughs> Sorry, Actors Guild rules. <laughs> you think Nicholas's Cage's name is really Nicholas Cage? Uh, so yes, you know that Vin Diesel's real name is Gummy Button Willow, right? <laughs> <laughs> and there was already two gummy button willows. That's the problem. Silent movie era, era was filled with gummy button willows. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, those are the kids. They're all terrible and selfish in their own way. And Rotty Largo is like, oh, I don't want to leave my company to any of these assholes when I die. Mm-hmm. And his <laughs> his whole plot, man, the plot of this is dumb as fuck but he's like apparently gonna try and give it to shiloh because he was in love with shiloh's mom Mm -hmm. well shiloh's mom had got it going on thank you yeah go ahead (sighs) well i I was hoping you would do that oh you were you were setting that up for me intentionally the second i did it i was like you had better finish this (laughs) shiloh do you remember this is one of my my favorite songs from that era uh but Shiloh's mom had a blood disease, mm-hmm. and and she... from her brain is where she bleeds. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll stop now. I'll stop. Uh, but she left Roddy to go with Nathan, mm-hmm. and so Roddy, being you know a giant businessman who is used to getting everything, super pissed off. Yeah. And when it came to the point where Nathan thought he had had a cure for the blood disease that he was going to give to his pregnant wife, Roddy had someone poison it. And made it seem that Nathan killed his wife. Yeah, it made it look like Nathan accidentally fucked up his doctor and then killed his own wife. Yeah. Um, and then the, we, we do a thing, because throughout the course of the movie, whenever it's time for a major character to start doing stuff, we get a, a brief cartoon about them and their backstory. We've already seen the ones for like Nathan and the kids. Um, but this is, we get the Roddy one where he's like, yes, he fell in love with this woman, Marnie. And her, him and Marnie were to be wed until the day. She met Nathan. And then it's like a whole thing where she has a disease and he's going to cure it and Roddy messes it up for him. And then it goes, Nathan could cho- could, had a choice. He could save but one. I'm like, really? Because what, what was the scenario where he, ki- where he sa- saved her and killed the baby? What's, what scenario was that specifically? Was, he, was it like, <laughs> oh, this poison is only activated by a baby being in you. So if I take this baby out... And then I also, for once the baby's out, I have to kill the baby. Oh, yeah, as a sacrifice. I have to, yeah, because only ground-up baby could save your life. And oh, yeah, is, I gotta grind up this baby and feed it to you. That'll there's, counteract. There's no nearby baby dispensaries. <laughs> uh, it didn't... It was just a fun little one-liner. But ultimately, the, the upshot is that Shiloh's mother died in childbirth. Oh, that's the upshot. Good job. You were... Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, well, honestly, it's an upshot for whoever they were going to cast a player because <laughs> that's one more person who didn't have to be in this. Uh, but yeah, Shiloh's mother died in childbirth, bleeding from like the eyes and stuff. And Shiloh is cursed with her mother's disease, a, a blood disease that makes her have blood pressure. She's got blood yeah. problems. And those are our, pretty much all of the characters that we're going to get. The only other one is Mags. And... Mags, or Blind Mags, is an opera singer who was Marnie's friend, and then uh, she was blind, and uh, Roddy gave her new eyes, but the whole contract is like the standard, we can just murder you if we want to contract. There's a whole song that the Gravedigger guy gets where he's like, and then she didn't check out the very Dairy Larry Barry Fine Prince. (laughs) 
and and the fine print, the fine print, the fine print, where it says that you won't belong to them forever, and you have to be an opera singer in all their commercials. And you're like. <laughs> But why would they want an opera singer in all their commercials? What are you talking about? I mean, I guess in this weird dystopian, like, murder town, she's the only decent entertainment? Because we don't see basically anything else. Anything that has a screen is just sort of showing commercials. Yeah, I mean, there's a band on stage when they do the big pronouncement of the... We're gonna Gene. There's a a corporate presentation at the end of this movie is kind of the climax of it, uh, and there's a band. There's a backing rock band at it. Yeah. So there is other entertainment. There's also prostitutes everywhere. So there's prostitution. There are multiple forms of entertainment. Uh, but yeah, for some reason, Sarah Brightman plays Blind Mags, and her very com- very good at opera singing is the only entertainment that anyone in this this hell circus of a city cares about yep the city this city is basically what rakdos was written about <laughs> i mean it's true it's just murder and circuses and at least part of it is because they were like okay we're doing a festival thing for the genetic opera that we're putting on mm-hmm. so there's some sort of reason for why they're all circusy. I love their festival by the way. It's like if uh if you set a 90s Tori Amos video on the set of The Crow, there'd be it'd be that. There's just a bunch of people walking through like grimy circus tents and being like, "Yes, I am a fire breather with a weird mustache." Yeah. yeah. It's it's an interesting thing cuz looking at what they've got for the festival is like I don't know, a couple street performers and like mm-hmm. four tents. Uh-huh. Like, this is real pathetic, guys. <laughs> Try harder. But then again, the whole world seems to be about 15 square blocks. Yeah, well. So, I mean, I, I, I guess it sucks. Uh, so, yes, we've got our main. That's our dramatis personae. Our main cast there. Oh, we didn't finish up with Blind Mags. She's She has robo eyes that are also cameras that are also projectors. Yeah, she's got super eyes. Yeah, and she. She thinks that there is no Shiloh. She was under the impression that it was her job to be a godmother to uh, her best friend's daughter. But But she was told that both of them died. Yes. Uh, So Shiloh wants to go out and see the world. Nathan doesn't want her to. That's that conflict. Mm -hmm. And then there's Roddy wants to manipulate Shiloh into, I guess, killing her father. Yeah, Roddy's plan in this is convoluted. Oh, yeah, he's like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell Shiloh I've got a cure for her blood disease, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to tell her that she can be the heir to the whole Gene Co. fortune, but she has to kill a Repo Man, and little will she know that the Repo Man is her father, and I guess I'm expecting this 17-year-old shut-in girl to murder the best murderer in the world (laughs) (laughs) also he really wants oh man this movie makes no fucking sense uh so blind bags hears from some source that uh that there is a shiloh that she exists still and so she leaves her post so to speak and goes to shiloh's house to confront and meet her uh, oh, it's actually because uh, Roddy brings her to the festival. That's right. And yeah, she's yeah. like, oh, shit. That, yeah, that, I thought she wasn't real. So 
she's like, I want to, he, he's like, I want to meet you to one or introduce you to one of my very closest associates, this opera singer who does performances at every one of our events. And it's somehow a huge draw for us, even though, you know, we're a huge monopoly already anyway, enough that people are willing to risk death to get our shit put in them. Uh, but yeah, we have, we keep this opera singer on retainer out of, I guess, a, a need for laughs. Uh, <laughs> So, but and Mags is like, this is unusual. And later, she abandons her Mags post, whatever that fucking is, and goes to Shiloh's house to confront her and be like, "I knew your mom." Yeah, and also to be like, "Hey, don't trust Roddy Largo." Yeah, like whatever he's promising you, don't get it. I've been under their thumb for like the past eighteen years. Mm-hmm. It sucks ass. Don't do it. Yeah. So they have a little confrontation where at first uh, Shiloh doesn't want to let Mags into the house. Uh, because she doesn't, she doesn't want to talk to strangers, and eventually she does, and Shiloh's like, look, I knew your mom, watch this, and she like turns on her camera eyes, and a Ray Trace hologram of her mom pops out, who is singing two lines from a song over and over again. Yeah. This is your mom, and she's like, cruel Mondays, <laughs> just another manic Monday. Yeah. she literally is like, it's cruel Mondays, every day is a bad day. Like, don't you have any better footage of her? <laughs> <laughs> No, I only took photos of your mom when she was being real whiny. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then, oh my God, Nathan comes home and is like, "Mags, what are you doing here? Get out of my house! You aren't welcome here. This is bad. Everything is bad." <laughs> and then this leads to the worst song in the movie, by the way, which is a, a, a tough honor to get to. And we are way out of order because who gives? A oh, shit? who gives a shit? Um, but th- that is. Shiloh's like, you've got to save her, Dad. She's going to get murdered for coming over here. And and he's like, no, no, she won't. That's stupid. What are you even talking about? Don't be crazy. Take your pills. Stay in your bed. Uh, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, she's like, but Dad, I'm 17. And then she plays a, a punk rock song about how she's 17. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's the it's, worst. It's like, again, this level of talentless enthusiasm mm-hmm. that's like, Man, I love Joan Jett. Time for me to make a song about, like, being 17 in that style. Are you at all a good musician? Good Lord, no. <laughs> She's a good musician in the way that 18 in life is sometimes a good song. <laughs> Which is to say, all the time. Because <laughs> that's kind of the song. But yeah, the whole song is just like, I'm 17! I should get to go outside! Daddy's little girl is a fucking monster! And, and then he's just like, I'm going to slap. He, slaps her. <laughs> he just slaps her out of that music number. Like, My- she changes costume and fall, and the band disappears. Oh, yeah. Because it's just sort of this, like, dream sequence mm-hmm. of her running around in, like, punk getup with a band behind her and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And the worst part about that is he slaps her and she falls down. But when this happens, it's still in the... Like, I'm dressed as a punk. There's, like, stage music and lighting and smoke all over the place. And then it has to, like, cut back and forth a couple times before she goes back to being in her costume Mm -hmm. that she was in beforehand. And I'm like, if it had just been slap and smash cut to we're back in reality, that would have been a good transition, at least. Yeah, you'd be like, oh, shit, there's reality. And whoops, there goes gravity. (laughs) Uh, But no, okay, so that's... (sighs) I think we actually already skipped over what people think of as the best song in the movie. Yeah. Shiloh gets out of the house Mm -hmm. at one point and finds that grave digger again. And he's hanging out in an alley full of hookers. 
because that's just where he does most of his vamping. Yeah, because he sells Zydrate, and mm-hmm. then he needs to explain that Zydrate comes in a little glass vial. A little glass vial, a little glass vial. Yeah, that, that's supposed to be the best song. I like the way it opens, though, with her arriving in this hooker alley, and some random woman stands in front of her and is like, is like, oh, wow, you have good implants. And she's like, what? Oh, I got implants like you when I was 13. Then I started turning tricks. And then she like, <laughs> and then she just turns and just kind of strides out of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> just like, hi there, I'm an object lesson. Excuse me. And away. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he has this whole song where he's like, yeah, Zydrate comes in a little glass vial. And then hookers pop up. A little glass vial, a little glass vial. And inside that vial is a blue fluid. A blue fluid? A blue fluid. It goes against a part of your anatomy. Anatomy, anatomy. And I guess that's supposed to be the good one. Yep. That's, that is the only one that I see get referenced mm-hmm. a lot. Like, Well, I mean, given that it's one of the very few that feels like a start-stop music number, it's pretty much that one, the Sarah Brightman song, and the I'm 17 are the only ones that are like diegetic songs. Yeah, that have a start and a stop. As opposed, everything Anthony Stewart Head does in this entire movie is he'll be walking around and then he'll be like, "My daughter is being taken from me by Largo. I'll stop him. I'll stop him. That's what I'll do. I'll stop him." And there's never a point where you're like, "What is is this a is this a song? What are we doing?" Yeah, and you know, you, I look up this movie and it has song tracks mm-hmm. with names, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I could not tell you when the talk singing ends and a song begins for just about anything in this movie and i'd be willing to tell you that 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 pasty faced terrible singer that apparently wrote this movie is inordinately proud of that fact (laughs) that you can't tell what is or isn't music in this it's all music baby it's art man (laughs) uh I don't know, just a bunch of fucking scenes happen. There's a point where Amber comes skipping into her dad's office and is like, Daddy, I need a $90,000 surgery. I fucked up my face, and now I need a a new face. He's like, I'm not going to give you a new face. You need to learn the value of hard work. And then she's like, well, look, it's I look like I've got a bunch of pimples on one side. And he starts retching. He's like, like, dude, you see way worse than that on a daily basis. Like, my dude, you watch people get like their spines ripped out. You got Mortal Kombat shit going on all around you. And you're like, oh, no, your face is kind of red. <laughs> oh, I'll arrange a surgery so you can sing at the performance. Thank you, Daddy. And then she like skips out of the room. And that's I think that's the longest scene that she gets. <laughs> and it's the whole thing is because she can't show you her face because she got a surgery accident. The, the entire scene is the back of her head. Yeah. It's it's hilarious that Paris Hilton's one big scene is her being like, no, no, oh, no I can't show my face. Don't, don't you look at me. <laughs> uh, and also we get to watch uh, Pavi gets nothing. Bobby no. is entirely driven by the fact that he was played by some guy named Ogre and he looks ridiculous. But Luigi gets a bunch of scenes where he's like, I'm going to be the one who gets daddy's money. I'll stab this intern. Yeah. God, there's a scene that is a basically a duet between Pavi and Luigi. <laughs> yeah. It's like that is the <laughs> literal worst thing in this movie of bad shit because that is the most amateur hour nonsense I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, I w- like, when that especially one was over- the dancing. Yeah. Just looks like they're, oh, don't, 
Oh, just swinging my arms around. Now I've got a knife and I'm gonna stab you. Yeah, they look like uh, bad daytime children's entertainment CGI in the terms of how they do their dances. Oh. But their whole thing is like they do that that kicking each other's leg and then l- locking arms and dancing around in a circle yelling about how they're the one who's gonna get the money. Yeah. But they're so off in timing from each other and in tone and everything. I, I was like, wait, is this the first take? Is this... Did, was this whole movie one take did they lose the footage of this and have to use a rehearsal shot (laughs) (laughs) oh it's so bad everything in this movie i cannot explain how bad it is it's uh it's it's astonishing it's just trash uh the basically the entire like crux of this movie at least has a point where it's like oh everything is going to come to head at this genetic opera because <laughs> Anthony Stewart. Yeah. yeah. Well, we don't, I don't want to miss the scene where he is, where Anthony Stewart head is dragged into the head office uh, to be confronted by the entire Roddy or Largo family uh, because they want him to kill blind mags. Yeah. And he's like, that was my wife's best friend. I'm not going to do that. Get one of your very many other repo men that apparently exist that we've never seen. Also, she's going to be in the performance tomorrow, so I'm not sure why you want me to kill her now. This is very confusing. <laughs> um, but but he doesn't do it. They're like, well, he's like, I'm not doing that. And they're like, okay, well, fine. Then you have to come into this back room and kill this other random guy who's taped down. Because one of the things we've been skipping over is that there's like four or five uh repo man kills in the movie where it's just a random scared person getting chart carved up by this guy yeah eh. i just figured i'd mention that so we know that yeah that does happen there's a lot of goof looking gore in this i will say that his not in that scene there's a different one where he's carving up a scared guy in his basement that is probably my favorite dumb bit in this Mm -hmm. where he's singing a song you know talk singing basically but then the like echo callback is him having his hand up through the chest cavity of the guy that he is cutting up and then working his mouth like a puppet mm-hmm. and i was like that's a good gag that's a good gag for this type of movie yeah because his whole gimmick is as a repo man he he's so efficient about it that he doesn't even kill the person well in the thing that kills them is always him taking the organ out He's never like, well, I'll just, you know, kill you, and then I'll do the harvesting. He's always like, ah, I caught you. Now I'll tape you to a wall and open you up and take out your intestines, and that will be what kills you. Sure. So, Great. Uh, anyway, he gets hired to kill, or ordered to kill blind mags, and they, he's just like, no, get someone else. Or in the language of this song, no, get someone else. Uh, and then in the next scene, she's just doing her little song at their at their thing. They didn't like fire her or anything. <laughs> well, if we can't have you killed, we'll go to we'll go to Plan B, not kill you. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know what their reason for doing this because it's like they didn't pay attention to what the previous scene said. Well, it's also they haven't been paying attention to the fact that throughout this entire movie they're like, oh, she's the number one draw. Everyone loves her. She's an amazing asset for this company. Anyway, we, we want to kill her. Why? Oh, she was mildly. She went to a, a, a Silo's house once. Yeah, she mildly disobeyed an order one time, and you're like, "Who? What? How do you keep anything?" <laughs> it's not like she didn't show up to work on time the next day or anything. It's like she went somewhere and her time off. She must die. Ugh. Isn't she really, really, really valuable to you guys? Oh yes, yeah, she's the most valuable to all of us. 
and, and you want me to murder her? That's the gist. <laughs> so, yeah, the the genetic opera has Anthony Stewart head is like, I'm going to go there and murder Roddy because yeah. fuck him. Well, he realizes at a certain point that Roddy was the one who got him to kill his own mom, uh, to kill his own wife, to kill his own mom. He, he also had to kill his own mom with a broken lawn chair. <laughs> I love mother. <laughs> you are from sad whale family, deep in ocean. Uh, no, he, uh, he, so he goes all revengey. Uh, he's the repo man from this point forward. Uh, and he's going to stalk through the place and murder everyone. Every one of those stupid Largos. Oh yeah. And they send like some goons after him and he just turns into bullseye from daredevil and just throws knives and immediately kill everyone around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so while he's doing that, uh, Shiloh is visited by a secretive giant hover bl- billboard that appears outside of her house, uh, blaring things from a loudspeaker, and is like, "Attention, Shiloh, come to the c- come to this opera thing, and I will give you a cure for your blood disease." My driver is standing out front. I hope your dad isn't home. <laughs> I mean, at least it wasn't through a loudspeaker it was just on the was screen the was the, um, okay um maybe it was also on her watch because she does get a couple of calls include uh the, the way that that head figures out that that shiloh is being uh tempted by largo is that she falls unconscious during a, a medical procedure that that uh her dad is doing and then largo calls on the watch yeah. and the watch doesn't have like an answer button or anything it's just it, it just, just pops up. pops up and starts talking Ugh. Again, I love when future technology is worse than current technology. It's great. It's my fa- it's my favorite thing. Uh, so yeah, uh, Shiloh is going to the opera because she's like, okay, I gotta figure out how to kill this repo man in order to get my blood cure. Mm-hmm. And fucking Roddy is trying to get her to kill Nathan so that he can sign over the company to Shiloh because. I guess he's like, well, I hate my kids mm-hmm. and I hate Nathan, but at least Shiloh is a piece of Marnie that still exists. So I'll give it to her. <laughs> and yeah. And so he sends a mustached goon uh, to drive her to the opera. Uh, he has like a giant comical Civil War mustache. Yes. And as she's sitting in the back of this luxury vehicle, uh, the watch goes off again and, and Roddy's like, Ah, you'll find in this box a gift from me to your mother, a dress she wore once that I enjoyed. It would mean a great deal to me if you put it on. And apparently, based on this dress, uh, Shiloh's mother was in Toad the Wet Sprocket videos. (laughs) Uh, You know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) Right immediately in your head, you're like, oh yeah, that one with the like dance till you drop contest theme to it, where there was like, some woman with with eye makeup all all a run, and she's just dancing around in her goth dress by herself. Yeah, I and mean, she somehow wins, even though there's half the thing. She's just standing there. Yeah, no, the dress is a goth wedding dress, it's peak nineties. It is it is like black floofy dress with a black veil. Mm-hmm. If you see this thing, it's like oh, at the bottom of the screen on the Amazon page for this dress, it's like other people who consider this dress also bought chokers that say puddin' on them. <laughs> <laughs> uh replica dresses from beetlejuice <laughs> dvds of the craft <laughs> yeah the uh the whole movie god it sucks okay uh <laughs> there's 
so there's the opera is happening and we get a whole scene of like the people in the audience being like oh i love gene co i gotta uh, my genetics sucked and they replaced them for me oh yeah it's basically (laughs) it's they basically do a town hall revivalist meeting yeah. Where all the people in the audience are like testifying and standing up and being like, I had a bad kidney and now I don't testify. And there's a bunch of people with like Civil War beards and bizarre scars on their faces and so on. And that's pretty much the whole audience is basically like black suit circus tent bullshit. And then in come the dancing girls who are, you know, flawless. Oh, well, yeah, they're, they're all even... in like the sort of pleather nurse outfit that mm-hmm. you would expect. What I keep hoping to see on the women is they're gorgeous, yes, but there's scars all over them from the surgeries, and they, they, they don't do that. No, they do not. And it, bother, it bothers me. It feels like that should have been the thing. Like, there's a tinge to the beauty of this world that all of it's artificial and all of it's created, and instead, no, it's just, you know, they're hot models because the movie needs sexy babes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we only have the makeup budget to make dudes look ugly. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, we also had enough to hire two fat dancer ladies. <laughs> That's it. Uh, that's and, and they're going to be in weird cages on the side, so you know they're not part of our regular cadre of sexy babes. Ugh. I'm just saying. That's a garbage move. <laughs> and, uh, you hear me, Grave Digger? Uh, you hear me? Named yourself after a truck. You're a piece of shit. <laughs> so the opera has like an opening band mm-hmm. where this testify thing happens. And then we get Largo company and all like, you know, standard fat preacher in a revival tent. He's like, Oh, thank you all for being here for the genetic opera. Yeah. And Amber has a number that takes five seconds. Cause her face falls off, which is amusing to me that she went and saw the best surgeons at a company that only does this when she has the most money and her face falls off. Well, and, yeah, it's like because it's not even sewn on. She comes out and she's messing with it. Like her face is kind of oh stuck yeah, it's to her. just like peeling off the yeah. front of her. And she's like messing, but put her fingers in between and being like, oh. And she has a little song about how she's gorgeous or whatever. But then eventually, her face peels away entirely and splats on the floor. And the, and and so she just sort of goes oh oh and then runs away. Yes, standard Paris Hilton in this movie though is just exiting before the camera can really get a look at her. <laughs> um. So her her song is all five or six seconds long, and you can see her dad in the in the wings being like, "I hate that girl," <laughs> because the thing is, she, he get she gets permission to do the surgery, and she just goes right back to that stupid gross alley where she's already been a couple of times, and is like, "You there, weird looking grave digger man? I would like your finest black market drugs, please." And he's like, he, "Why aren't you? Can't you just go into a room in your house and get this?" Why aren't you buying this shit from the company store? What is wrong with you? But she does, and sure enough, she gets another black market chop job with with three minutes to spare before the concert. Uh, Doesn't make any... It, so that happens, and then Sarah Brightman gets her number, which, God, is that ever a blessed moment, because it's just five minutes of uninterrupted actual opera. Yep. You're like, oh, I've been sitting through just the worst shit garbage, and finally... An actual singer came out, did actual music, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) There's such a thing as beauty in the world. (laughs) I thought the world was decided into uh, bad makeup and sexy babes. And the climax of her song is she's like, hey, fuck you. Uh, Gene Co. sucks. I'm going to rip my own eyes out. 
rather than be beholden to you. Which is amusing because she's like basically, oh, I'm gonna find, I'm gonna take my own way out of this bullshit. I'm gonna kill myself by poking myself in the face. But it's sc- it's not even I'm gonna kill myself. It's I'm, I'm gonna take the eyes out so that I don't owe you anything. Yeah, I'd rather. And be then blind. Roddy's like, well, fuck you. Then cuts the line she was hanging from, and she falls onto a. Like s- those steel spiky fence. Yeah, they had one of the. One that of those... was just a prop. It's a prop. They just had like movie grade impalement props just on their on their stage. They're like, oh well, we need props for someone's song. I guess we'll get an actual wrought iron spike fence mm-hmm. and put it on stage. We'll put it right under where the actor is dangling too. That should be fun. That's good. That's mm-hmm. good for everyone. Well, whatever. It's Rakdos Hell Circus Land. Yeah. I'm <laughs> sure it's probably cheaper to get an actual <laughs> rotted weird iron fence than it is to get a replica made so yeah uh so the, and the other fun thing about that is that from this point forward they don't clean the stage off so the stage is just thick with opera singer blood and then roddy comes out and he's got a bunch of shit to say because he's like oh uh fucking i hate my kids hey shiloh here's your dad well don't forget that shiloh gets us one of my favorite scenes in this uh, Shiloh gets led into a room, like a backstage green room thing out in the, behind the theater, and Roddy pops up on an old-fashioned movie projector, and he's like, look, here's the deal. There's this repo man. He hates me. I want you to kill him, and if you do, the keys to the Wonka factory are yours. <laughs> and, and there's no point where she's like, wait, aren't those like trained professional, mur- professional murderers? Why would you think I can do this? I'm 17, and I spent my whole life in bed. Yep. So, uh, on stage, fucking everyone meets up, and Roddy's like, here's a gun, Shiloh, kill your dad, and you get my entire company, and she's just like, uh, no? No, I don't want to do that, and he's like, but your mother would do it, and she's like, uh, yeah, but your dad killed your mom, did he ever tell you that? Oh, yeah. And she's like, oh, that sucks, and I'm still not is- going to kill him. Yeah, and also he's poisoning you, let me introduce you to the author of your blood disease. Yes, you don't actually have a blood disease, your your dad just has Munchausen by proxy syndrome. <laughs> Except that th- there's more song over the credits of this movie that is like the continuation of the story. And the continuation includes her singing like, I'm here now. It is time for my cure. And it's not a reprise. It's a new scene. She's singing to the gravedigger for some reason. Well, yeah, but I, I don't think she's talking about a literal cure as much as she is. The, Want some Zydrate or something? Like either Zydrate or I'm going to live in this weird circus murder village now, now as a I free person. Ricks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she won't kill her dad. And she sings a song about how genetics aren't the only thing that determines what people will and won't do. Uh, she's like, no, I'm not. It doesn't matter if my genes are from murderers. I am not a murderer. I won't do this. And so Roddy just takes the gun and shoots him instead. Yeah. And then at this point, the crowd's all uprising and angry and so on. Uh, both Luigi and Pavi are on stage just yelling about how they get money. Yeah, it's... And she sings a song about how choices are what matters in life, and uh, it's not genetics, it's how you make decisions. And that's why she needs to be the one who makes all the important decisions and uh, and fixes things around here. And I was like, wait, did what have you ever done that earned you that right? You're, you're, you're just someone who slept for 17 years until a guy showed up and was like, you're a trillionaire! Except she doesn't even get it, because the post-credit like credit scene is another comic book thing where they're like, oh, and by the way, 
Uh, it actually went to Amber, and then she put up a whole bunch of shit for, like, auction, and Pavi bought it after Luigi killed the top three bidders. Oh, yeah. Well, Amber put up her face for charity. She, she was going to auction off the face that fell on the floor for charity. Uh, Luigi killed the top three bidders, but the fourth bidder was Pavi, and now he wears his sister's face. Yeah. And it's it's all just a gag, because it was like, haha, you know, because each of them has one characteristic. Her characteristic is that her face falls off. Pavi's characteristic is that he likes to wear faces. And Luigi's characteristic is that he likes to kill people till you get it. It's a joke. That's the thing. That's all their things. That's the post-credit bit. <laughs> but there's no point where you're like, oh, yeah, and things are going to get better. It's just like, oh, okay, I guess, I guess we're done now. Yeah, well, she just walks out of the theater. Yeah, she's like, bye, everyone. Mm-hmm. I'm, technically, it still needed to be signed over to her because he was like, oh, you need to kill him, and then I'll sign this document that says that you get everything. Yeah. But he never did, and he died before that happened. Well, he dies on stage right there. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, oh, so it didn't get signed over to you, so what the fuck happened here? Well, it depends. Was, her lawyer, was his lawyer in that audience? <laughs> Because he was like, I announced that this is the person who gets my money. But no, he said, you'll get it if you kill your dad. Ah, okay, that's fair. And she didn't. Yeah, so she doesn't get shit. Uh, And I assume that she doesn't have anything because all of her ownings were probably company property because her dad was a repo man. Well, her dad was also a doctor. Mmm. And had that whole thing before he was a repo because he only became a repo man because he was like, oh, I need to do this so that Roddy keeps the secret of me killing my wife oh and i guess that secret's out now so even though he's dead he gets to have his well he doesn't have any doctor money anymore well he has doctor money because he's still a doctor doctor in 17 years he's been a doctor and a repo man oh is that true he's been doing doctor stuff too yeah i thought he was literally lying about that and just going to work and being a repo man every day and then coming home and being like honey i'm a doctor Because uh, she certainly doesn't know that her dad's a repo man until he until she accidentally clocks him on the back of the head with a shovel. Yep. Uh, so I I I've been under the impression that the doctor thing was a leftover lie. No, I I think he still does both. Hmm. Okay. But I mean, it's not like this movie gives a shit about that nothing makes fucking, any fucking sense anyway. Who cares? Ugh. Hey, if you're one of the people that like this movie, sorry. Why? Like this gets compared to Rocky Horror a lot because they're both cult musicals with no sort of weird aesthetics. No, one of them's a musical. The other one is music-esque. Yeah, and that's the thing. I'm not like, oh, I'm super into Rocky, but at least if I watch it, I go, there are some bangers in there. Like, there's a few songs that are actually really good, and you can pretty much follow what the plot is and not hate it well here's here's a simple test you can administer and i have found this useful for a variety of musicals including stuff like you know cats or starlight express and so on uh without any kind of looking anything up or prompting and, and without any any press uh any uh prep time could you do a bar or a line from a couple of rocky songs yeah sure yeah you can do uh, time warp uh t- touch me I could do, uh, you know, uh, the the opening song, the lips song. Yeah. I could. I. I mean, I was a Rocky fan, so that's that's basically unfair. But the same thing for all the banger musicals you really like. Like, can, can you sing at least five different Grease songs? Sure. Can you sing at least three different uh, Little Shop of Horror songs? Sure. Can you sing even two songs from this movie? No. Like, yeah. And that's the thing. There's no hooks. 
There's no bangers. There's no standout musical performances. So by the time you're done, you're just like, that was just gah. Yeah, I mean, the fact that the only standout musical performance is an opera, opera in piece. non-English, yeah. you're like, oh, it's not like you can go into this and be like, oh, yeah, that was the banger, and now I'm, I want to listen to that in my spare time and sing it. Yeah. Like, it, you know, it's a real earworm. No, not really. Yeah, like w- when I was walking out of Cats, because that was the last thing we did live, the, the, the movie Cats was uh, Jellicle Songs is the only one in that that I would think of as, as kind of a like a banger. Like, I could see listening to that otherwise. Oh, Skimbleshanks. Well, Skimbleshanks, the problem is you'd have to listen to the movie version of it, because the actual stage performance of Skimbleshanks is like a Christmas song that goes on for 10 minutes. True. Um, where Skimbleshanks in the movie is basically sort of a fun chorus line thing with a lot of tap dancing in it. Yeah. Um, Jellicle songs at least kind of, you're like, oh yeah, I get this. This has a line. I can, I can keep this in my head. And the thing is, I can come out of Cats and be like, that was absolute brain melting nonsense. And I'll still remember at least four songs from it. Mm-hmm. This is like, no, I can't, I can't even do the one that's, that's popular and that was mostly a chorus structure. The one where it was like, and then you press the gun against a part of your anatomy. Um, it was, was the one that I felt like was the most strongly written. And even then, that's about as much as I can remember from it. Yeah. It's, uh... I, yeah, like, in comparison to to, uh, to Rocky, this is like, well, what if everybody in Rocky just talked, sang the whole time and didn't actually sing any songs? Yeah, I feel like... <sighs> that's the worst thing they had going for this, was the talk singing. Mm-hmm. Because... It just made it so that the transitions into actual songs didn't really make it so that you're like, oh, cool, a song. Mm-hmm. You're like, all right, I'm 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 already basically tuned out to the idea of people singing their exposition. I mean, so as soon as someone starts singing what is supposed to be a song, you're like, oh, I don't know, this is just more talking. I mean, you, gotta, you compare the beginnings of the two movies. You get that long-ass cartoon about what the world is like in this one. In Rocky, you just have that fucking banger uh, science fiction double feature. No. It has nothing to do with anything. It's just a good song. Uh-huh. And then right from that, we go to some weirdo in a graveyard. He's like, oh, come here. I will tell you about graves. Graves contain people who are full of free zydrate. To, you know, damn it, Janet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damn it, Janet is a fucking mind-melting banger that you could remember. That, that just me saying the name, everyone's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh... God damn. All right. It's you know what? Trash. Let's go ahead and do our best and worst. Jeff, what was the best thing in this movie? <laughs> it was, uh, I'm going to actually say the entire performance of Sarah Brightman. Yeah. I liked her. I liked her weird acting. Uh, the way that she had the big metal eye thing was was super cool. Honestly, she, even her half of the back and forth when she goes to Shiloh's house was good because she's an actual good singer. Yeah, she's a trained professional singer. She she leaned very well into this this movies grungy 90s goth aesthetic yes and and a lot of other people didn't they felt like they were wearing bad costumes but she was like no you want me to dress like you know uh feruza balk does before she goes to bed i can do that <laughs> uh, i'm in feruza balk's pajamas and it's time to sing a song uh, yes feruza balk's pajamas involve a choker why wouldn't they <laughs> uh uh yeah so also check out my new band feruza balk's pajamas <laughs> Uh yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm just gonna say Sarah Brightman in general was was the highlight of the film. Yeah. Uh what about you? <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to rack my brain <laughs> for anything these. that isn't that. Uh <laughs> you could just say Anthony Stewart Head, who basically delivers a competent 
evil I mean, performance. I there are a couple scenes that I like with Anthony Stewart head in this specifically for when he has to go back and forth between the like doctor and Hyde like that where he's there's a scene where he's cutting someone open for their spine and then Shiloh calls and he has to be like oh hi honey while he's just ripping someone's spine out like that's good and even in that scene they're not doing a lot of talk singing so it's just it's just much better and you look at a scene like that and go oh if you had actually structured this as normal scenes songs mm-hmm. this could have been at least watchable oh yeah for sure if they had tightened up the songwriting significantly and dropped the conceit that there is no line in this movie that isn't a part of some half song then this could have been excellent because it, it would lean into that whole cult thing that people try to ascribe to it oh yeah and you've got good actors in this it's just they don't they are given the worst shit to do yeah so yeah i'll say my favorite thing is that specific scene of uh shiloh sneaking out and nathan doing a repo and they're both trying to hide what they're doing from the oh, other yeah, person where he's like i can rush home immediately when i'm done here with this patient and she's like that's not necessary i'm just gonna go to sleep yeah it's it was it was cute and well done yeah all right worst thing in the movie just give me don't don't say like an overarching thing. Give me one. Uh, yeah, bit. it's fine. I'm 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 already on board, and it's the brothers singing at each other performance. Great. Yeah, <laughs> the two of them are like, I'm the one who gets the money, and I murder people. I am the one who gets the money, and I have a doofy face. He's <laughs> just like, he's just like, what the fuck is this? Did you guys do this at all? Were these two actors unwilling to work with each other? How did this come about? Oh, it's true. It's so stupid. It's very true. Yeah. Uh, you? Uh, I think my least favorite thing in this, I gotta say, is gonna be the uh, the very end where I have no idea what the fuck actually happened. <laughs> yeah, the ending, this is nonsense. It's like, oh, here's this whole weird, like, who's in charge of this company, and what's happening with the fate of people and Repo, and what, and you're like... Oh, we're not going to tell you that. We are going to tell you that there was a charity auction for this person's face, though. Anyway, the end. Yeah, what? yeah. And, and also, then after that, the credits are playing and there's more song. Well, yeah, because there's songs that they cut from the movie. Mm-hmm. I and guess just... I guess if you get the like Blu-ray or whatever there, you can watch the additional stuff they cut, which, why? <laughs> yeah, if there's one thing I would think <laughs> oh, of... Oh, this wasn't good enough for the release? Yeah. Ooh, let me get on that train. If there's one thing I could think of that would sum up what I wanted from this movie, it would definitely be more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so we are going to give this each a rating 0 to 5, which will give this movie a rating out of 10. Jeff. I got to give this one one of the, the rare zeros. I... <laughs> It's so close to having absolutely no plot at all. <laughs> this could almost get the zero, but it isn't quite there. But it's horrible. I, I derived no pleasure from this at any point. I was just angry the whole time. Yes. Um. So I'm going to have to give this the point five. It's a film? Almost. <laughs> Good job. What about you? I am also giving it a point five. There is half a point for Sarah Brightman, <laughs> and that is it. The rest of this movie can go take a running jump, because it is woof. 
I couldn't believe how bad this was. Yeah, no. That's why when we were sent this movie to do, and I was looking at it like, oh, man, I don't know if I've got it in me to sit through this again. I saw this like seven years ago, and it still haunts me. Oh. I've seen some bad ones that you haven't seen yet, but this takes the cake. <laughs> so a one out of ten for Repo the Genetic Opera. Lowest rating in a while. Oh, yeah. It's been a while since we've gotten into the, like, the sub fours. Yeah. So, uh... Feels good to be back, baby. <laughs> nice to be back in the places we belong. Yeah, we belong down in the filth. <laughs> rooting <laughs> through the bodies looking for anesthetic. Just rolling around in the muck. <laughs> filth pigs. <laughs> So thank you so much for listening. We will be back in another couple weeks with more Movie Mastery. We do have our poll up at the moment for the month. You can go to SystemMasteryPodcast.com. That's our website. Go to the Movie Mastery tab in theaters now, and that's where you can find all of our polls every month. And, of course... Do it. Go vote for the thing. Go vote. Uh, we've got... A Patreon, if you would like to support us, patreon.com slash system mastery. Support us at any level. You get bonus content for other stuff. There's all kinds of bonus shows you could be getting. There's like seven bonus shows a month, most months. Yeah. I mean, shit, even if you don't want it, please support us. Yeah. Please give me a dollar for yeah. sitting through Repo the Genetic Opera. <laughs> That's a good reason to give us a dollar, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, we've, uh, we've, we've got a book. Oh, We've we got... do have a book. There's a book that exists that we wrote. It's called A Dragon Walks Into a Bar. Yeah, uh, you can buy that. plus jokes that Will Slay, I think is the full title. I don't know. We didn't write the title. Will Slay. <laughs> we didn't write the title, but we did write a fun joke book full of jokes about role-playing games. Uh, actual jokes, by the way. It's not like a collection of humorous essays or something like that. It is literally, why did the dragon walk into a bar type jokes. Yes, indeedy. For just page after page. So if that's what you want... That book's on Amazon. <laughs> and, of course, join us on Discord. If you've got opinions about Repo the Genetic Opera and you want to share them, I am certain someone's going to have opinions about this in our Discord. I mean, our Discord. come to our Discord anyway. I love that, that place. Ever since that time when I, when I referenced that there was a second Tootsie Roll Pop commercial <laughs> and someone posted it within, like, five minutes of hearing it. Oh, yeah. It's a resource. We got a great group of people in there, and we would love to have you join us. And also, it's the best way to get in contact with me if you want to get a movie mm -hmm. for us to watch on the list. Then you can go ahead and... Tag System Mastery John on the Discord, or you can find me on Twitter at Gurgle Spasm. Yeah, and uh, or, or, or uh, just me just message him. Just he slide into his DMs. Just slide up in my DMs and yeah. be like, "Yo, you seen this garbage?" And I'll be like, "Nope, going on the list." <laughs> slide all up in his DMs. He wants to see your dick. <laughs> That's true. Mm -hmm. I want to see your copy of Dick Tracy. <laughs> Do you have a copy of Dick Tracy, the Warren Beatty movie? Honestly, we should probably watch that. We should probably watch it for the show, because I haven't seen it since I was a child, and I'm positive it's terrible. It is exceedingly weird. How about if we just watch Dick, that movie where, like, two teenage ditzy girls from the 90s go back in time and end up hanging out with Richard Nixon? Is that the plot of that? Have you not, have you not seen that movie? No, I knew that it existed, but I thought it was just... Two ditzy girls from the 70s. It might be. It's been a while since I see, I've seen it, but they're so ditzy that they felt like 90s creations. Okay, because I was like, I had no idea time travel was part of this oh, scenario. Oh, time travel was part of it. 
Actually, I don't know if that's true or not. It might just be it might just be ditzy seventies girls. Uh, all right. So we will be back in another couple of weeks. Thank you so much for joining us, and until next time, you have a good one. <laughs>